what was really cool about this is you had an on-course experience. I was just like, wow. And this is it. You said this is the year of the short game. A lot of our listeners can really get some key takeaways here. And welcome back. Welcome aboard another part train. I'm one of your co-hosts, Evan Singer. I got my partner in crime with me, Matt Cermak. I'm in Santa Cruz, California, doing wedding stuff. You're in Chicago. Your new irons are coming soon. Yeah. We're both chomping at the bit, but What's we had up, to get this episode in. What's up, my man? Good to be back. Good to be back on the train. Guys, in case you're new, welcome aboard. Thanks for hopping aboard. Uh, in case your golf game's off the rails and you're sick of riding the struggle bus, you came to the right place. The par train helps frustrated golfers enjoy the ride again on and off the course because if you can learn to smile through bad golf, you can smile through anything. The Par Train Podcast unpacks the mental game with PJ Tour Pros, best-selling authors, CEOs, sports psychologists, everyday golfers, like we're going to do with us today, and more to make the hardest game in the world feel easy and help you get back on track. This episode, like every episode, is presented by Roback Performance Apparel. And, sir, I was just telling you about a text I got from one of the guys I coach mentally. Uh... He sends me this text, okay? Picture of his rollback hoodie sleeve. And he goes, quote, I'm not making this up. I got it right here. Quote, <laughs> I wasn't emotionally prepared for how good the rollback hoodie is. I mean, that's... And I'm like... That's fine. <laughs> would I steer you wrong? I mean, people are DMing us every week, still shocked by how good the rollback hoodies, polos, Q-zips are. We've been talking about them for years. They're now the presenting sponsor of this show. Yeah. And they continue <laughs> to exceed expectations. I can't overstate that enough. When people get it, they are absolutely blown away and they want more of it. It's the truth, Ev, right? Start with the hoodie. Next thing you know, you got the polo. Yeah. And you got the vest. Yeah. I'm thinking about buying a few more white hats. I love the white, the white so much. And I love yeah. the new, these newer ones, the way they fit. I mean, I might just buy five. You know? you know, speaking of the rollback hats, it kind of inspired us. We were talking last week about how I think it might be time to explore some dad hats for the part train. You know, well, we've done some high crown structured, maybe yeah. flatter brim mix hats. Hank and Serm are pushing me. Hey, maybe it's time to get that, you know, more 47 brand look or dad hat classic look just, so we're just that classic play there's yeah. been talk there's been requests for fitted hats too you know mm. can we allow for every head size i don't know but it's in the works for all you guys out there with the fitted yeah. hats potentially we're looking at demand but the classic the classic's definitely gaining traction right now. well my uniform <laughs> my uh fiance who's across the hotel room right now from me probably smiling love, says my uniform Tara. my uniform is a rowback hoodie joggers and a partrain hat that's my uniform it's a nice look i mean when you got nine <laughs> hoodies it's easy to make it a thing you know but in case you guys want to experience the magic that is rowback as well uh just enter the code train t-r-a-i-n and get yourself 15 percent off anything at rowback.com i'm telling you guys we wouldn't steer you wrong also sir i think it, we should probably say we don't really say this a lot um, we're going to have a lot of great new partners coming on this show this year. And I just want to make it very clear that we don't just have anyone as sponsors of this show. 
we vet them, we make sure that it excites us, that we would yep. genuinely use them. We don't work with anyone until we get the product and make sure that we like it and love it. Roback's been the longest partner and uh, we're going to continue to have those high standards because I don't know about you, sir, but when I listen to other podcasts, like I love the Tim Ferriss show, yeah. I genuinely get excited for his ad reads because I know he puts so much into finding great stuff for his listeners. And I want to take that same thing to the train passengers here. So yeah. just keep that in mind. Everything we promote, we genuinely like, love and use. And the brand, yeah, the brand's got to connect with what we're doing, right? Yeah, exactly. And that's what's fun. So, yep. So rowback.com, enter the code train, get yourself 15% off and DM us as when you get amazed too, maybe I'll read your DM on the next, uh, <laughs> the next show. It'll be fun. Okay. Sir, this episode is about chipping away literally. And it came yeah. out because I called you a few days ago. So excited of something I figured out around the greens, broke 80 for the first time in a little while and kind of had a couple epiphanies. And I was talking to you about it, and after about 10 minutes of talking about it, and this happens a lot with us, we both said, okay, we're going to scrap the original idea. We were going to do a round table with the, um, or sorry, a, a mailbag, mental game mailbag, because we had some extra responses from the previous one. We were going to do that today, and then we decided, no, we need to do this. It's timely. This could really help a lot of people. So our phone conversation is now turning into a podcast. It's the truth, Adam. I mean, I... I don't think I'd ever heard. Well, maybe there was one other time when you came up to Chicago. We yeah. did this short game lesson. Yeah. But what was really cool about this is you had an on-course experience. Yeah. Right. And I was just like, wow. And this is it. You said this is the year of the short game. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you really want to grind it out this year with the short game? We shall see. But yeah. I never heard you talk like that. And I thought, well, let's have a show because I think a lot, a lot of our listeners can really get some key takeaways here, right? And look, yeah, absolutely. This is very tactical, right? You could take the stuff we're going to talk about to the course today, whenever you listen, if it's warm enough, and, or hell, throw on a parka and go out and try it, you know? Uh, perk some balls up <laughs> on the snow, try it. Right. But no, in all seriousness, it's definitely tactical, mechanical, but also mental, right? There's a lot of mental stuff around this too. So I'm really excited to unpack this. And uh, I it's making me look at my game. It's weird. It's like it, it. It's similar to everything we've talked about before. But until you experience it, and you see the fruits of your labor firsthand, I don't think it has the same impact. So I'm hoping that my experience can help inspire others. Absolutely. No, this is great. Special episode. Cool. So why don't we just dive right in? Let's start with the proclamation of this year is going to be the year of the short game. We've yeah. talked about it on a previous podcast. I've posted vote videos about it on our social media at the par train. If you don't follow us and you listen to the show, I mean, hop aboard that too. I'm telling you four times a day, we're putting stuff up there. It's nice. But, um, I think one day I realized that I had this false belief that I'm looking at two-way misses, I'm looking at big misses, and inconsistent strikes. And I'm thinking to myself, well, clearly there's a fundamental flaw in my swing. And I need to just find that secret bullet to eliminate 
that flaw, that technical flaw, and once I start hitting better shots, once I start eliminating those misses, then I'm going to go all in on short game. And I've been doing that for 17 years, sir. (laughs) 17 years I've been looking for the, the secret bullet. And it finally occurred to me, wait, <laughs> maybe it's not that. Yeah, sure. I can always get better. I'm working with Jake Thurm, who we've had on the show. Like, Love Jake. We can find things that I can work on that will shore me up, that will give me better chances to hit better shots. But the breakthrough came, sir, when after my round last Sunday, I realized I hit the ball pretty similar to how I normally do. Like, sure, maybe a little bit more solid with some iron shots, and but still, like, it didn't make a difference. What did make a difference was my timer on the greens. Now, I don't want this to come off as, yeah, of course, like, work on your short game, it'll help your scoring. I actually found that the breakthrough for me was that it's not about just helping scoring. That's going to happen naturally. The breakthrough for me was having more confidence around the greens and excitement to get up and down around the greens. And all it was, sir, was a couple go-to shots. I started working with my pitching wedge and very small movement. And I liked how it just kind of shoots off the face, right? Like I used to have these shots with my 60 where I would, it would come out dead, miss hit it off the toe and you leave yourself 25 feet or something. I just love that my, my misses were minimal with this little pitching wedge, right? So I had that, and I had this other thought. If I needed to take it up high, I, I, I felt good with that, right? That gave me so much more freedom with my full swing. So the practice actually didn't make perfect. I just posted about this yesterday. Practice didn't make perfect. Practice enabled me to be committed mm. with my game. So I just threw a lot at you. I'm going to pause, and I'm going to see what you – because you're a short game master. I mean, I just, it's just something that there was a time in my life where I worked on it a lot. So I was able yeah. to get pretty good at it, but it's just something you have to practice all the time. And mm-hmm. I notice now, cause I, I mean, I'm a weekend golfer and I don't get as much time to practice and you see it like, you know, your imagination never goes, but you have to work on it. So what I like what you said, Ev, is you, and we've talked about this or I've talked about it. We've talked about it together is an up and down is a, just a fun opportunity, right? Mm-hmm. A chance at an up and down, right? Like, oh man, like, wow, I could, this is, this is okay. This is great. As opposed to going uphill, pins here, but you're kind of looking at it holistically. Yeah. Maybe that pin is tight. I mean, you know, maybe I'm not going to go for the pin, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Like you're, you're having those moments and I'm going to hit it eight or 10 feet to the right. So yeah. to me, just from, just from when I immediately heard you talk about this last week and then from what you're saying now is your mental approach, your mind is in a totally different place. Yeah. Right? You're excited. You're excited for short game shots. And then you combine that with a little bit of a mechanical, strategic thought that seems to work for you when you talked about contact. Yeah. Um, so We'll get to it, that. Yeah. So, but for me, it's just you, you freed up your mind. Yeah. Well, that's what's funny is we talk about the mental game every week, but this was a way to take the physical part of the game and free your mental game up. 
which is something we haven't talked about a ton. And the thing that I thought was the coolest part about this yeah. is actually there's two things I really want to focus on right now. One is being excited about hitting short game shots makes it so much easier to play the game. Yeah. Like it's a game. We've talked about right. that. I was playing a game last Sunday. Like if I missed the green, I missed the green. I actually, something was weird with my distances. Like I was focused on rhythm. So maybe I wasn't compressing the ball and a lot was coming up short. Yet ironically, my little pitching wedge bump and run shot was yeah. I able to, I was able to use that a lot. So I was going uphill. I had these nice little pitches yep. and I was getting up and down. I got up and down probably like six or eight times, you right. know? And, um, so that's one. It enabled me to remember that it's a game and I played it that way. I wasn't playing golf swing. I was playing a game. Yep. So I had a lot of freedom and I was enjoying it. It, it was enjoying. Two, I want to I focus on something you said. I said you're a short game master. I used to think that that's just a gift you have. <laughs> right like yeah i'm sure you were born with something in your hands good ha that good right good hands good feet. hand yeah but <laughs> remember what emma tally said last week on the pj or lpj tour she t talked to someone who was just unbelievable at lag putting on tour she goes never makes three putts always puts it to a foot she's like what do you do what do you work on and what did she say she goes well every day I do 10 to 20 <laughs> and this, right. lags. And this, and this is Emma Talley, who's a great LPGA tour player. But sometimes we all need that reminder. It's yeah. like, I t like we had Bob Rotel on, and I was kind of going thinking about those days. And with my brothers, we used to just drop balls. You know, we used to do contests. Can't fix your lie. Drop the ball, play it as it lies, right? Mm -hmm. So like, that was for years and years yeah. of that, right? So like, you have to have that familiarity and repetition. And I think that's for you. And for anybody, because we have to realize, I like what you said about there's no magic bullet with my golf swing. I mean, how many big misses do the pros have? Yeah, a lot. A lot. Especially as they're trying, to, especially when they're swinging hard, even yeah. when they're not swinging hard. They, so like to our listeners out there, like you're going to miss a lot of greens and that's just what golf is. Mm -hmm. Okay. Because a lot of times on tour, if a tour player is hitting 12, 13 greens, a tour player, it's a decent day. Okay. Mm -hmm. So not a tour player you're going to be in front of greens behind hopefully not behind too many greens but you will be in the bunker right left that's just our lives that is our lives yeah and we have to train ourselves sometimes in limited environments though to really hammer home short game whenever you can so that's all right <laughs> so remember it. that was a belief that was unattainable that was an expectation of mine yeah. that I felt like I needed to get rid of the big miss. Well, guess what? What did Rotella tell us? Tiger and Phil, two of the, the two best players of the last 20 years, were the two most erratic drivers of the golf ball. Yeah. And, right? we, know, and we know that, but we forget about it because all I did was win. Right. And <laughs> what, made you, what helped them win, right? So... Okay, I want to so get you're, really because you're looking at now, Ev. Because of last week, you're looking at your game in a whole new way. Yeah, Sarm, you challenged me on the phone. 
this I want to start with this, and then we're going to get very granular in the specific things I worked on, the specific yeah. thoughts I had before. I, I thought about short game differently. I prepped before each shot differently. I want to unpack those things and share them for the listeners. But yeah. before I do, you challenged me on the phone when we talked. You said, well, Ev, you know, uh, this was funny. <laughs> You're like, you said it's the year of the short game, but it took you a little bit to right. to actually do it. It's March. Right? <laughs> yeah. So you asked me why we wanted to talk about it today. Why is it so hard? to go practice the short game. Why do I say I'm going to do it and don't do it? It's just not fun. It's not sexy. Yeah. It's just what it comes down to, right? We're all chasing, hitting it further, hitting it straighter, you know, and that's all important, right? Hitting that high draw. I think you talk about the high draw, that high three wood, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> you know, like working on those things. And we're just kind of like, you know, and it's just much more, it's easier for a lot of people too. It's just, you can get that bucket, go to the range. It's right there. It might be a small crowded putting green, you know, mm-hmm. at your local driving range, but you've got to make the time, you know? So, and there's creative ways I think to do that, to kind of, to help put, make those environments more fun. And we can kind of talk about that, Ev. but it's, I don't know. I get, I go back and forth with the term willpower, but it's just, re- it's just really, so I don't know if it's not really, I mean, you just, you have to do it, but it's just changing your approach to your game. The game is one and the game gets better with short game from a hundred yards in it. Yeah. Right. That's just, a, it, those are just the facts, right? Well, l- let me talk about how I practiced differently because yeah. trust me, there were times that, you know, I've got my, my friendly Ryder cup trip coming up or I've got the member guests and I tell myself, no, I need to get better at the short game. So I go every week to the short game area at Westchester here in LA which got got a decent short game area. Now I know a lot of public courses may not have great short game areas. So maybe we can talk about what you can do to your point if you don't have a great short game area because I know that's a barrier. But for me, they got a decent area. So I went over there, you know, they give you the tube of balls and I remember that it was all about technique and this feeling of like hope and praying that whatever I was working on would translate, right? So like I'd go and practice and I'd put them all in one spot, like we've talked about. I'd hit them over and over in a row. I'd get into a rhythm. I'd be sticking them to four to five feet every time and I'm thinking, okay, I got it. But then I'd go to the course, I'd write down like exactly the feel that I had, exactly the thing that I was doing. And it would actually feel burdensome when I would go to the course and sometimes it would add more pressure to the course because I did it in practice. So now I should score, yeah. you know? So it was very mechanical and it was very, um, what's the word? Like I-, I wasn't giving myself a ton of variety in practice. You know, it felt like a burden when I went to the course, but last time, last week, when I practiced the day before I played, it was much more about, a curious energy and an experimental practice where I didn't care as much about how I did on the specific hole I was going for. What I was more so focused on is how does the club go through the grass and different lies? How does the 60 compare to the 56 on certain lengths and pick shots? How should, I wonder if when I open it up this way, does it come out really soft 
Does it roll out? You know, I was kind of testing things and I found something. And what I found was the way the club goes through the grass is not something I ever practiced before my shot when I'm on the course. I would practice like I would. We went over this in Orlando. I felt like I had to have the perfect technique. And I'm like, okay, which one am I going with today? Right? right? Is it the hinge and hold? Is it the feeling like I kind of roll it inside and let it release? Is it coming more down the line and I'm focused on path? Like <laughs> I'm thinking about all those things yeah. for my shots around the green. And then you lose touch. You lose what you're actually trying to do with the shot because I'm just trying to like make sure I do the technique. So I was playing golf swing but around the greens. Right. Now, when I played on Sunday... Before every shot, now this is something I learned from Tommy Fleetwood. Fleetwood did a video the other day, I think it was with the Barstool guys, and he talked about how before he hits a shot, he's practicing how the club goes through the grass, and if it's getting stuck, or if it's pretty sticky and it gets a little stubby, he rethinks the type of shot he's going to hit. Yeah. So he's using, now I don't preach this with... uh, full swing you know like i like to just get into the shot and go and sometimes people if their practice swing doesn't feel good they're like oh i need to do it again that didn't feel good but with short game i actually think it's really helpful because if the lie or the the grain or the type of grass doesn't feel like it's promoting the club to get through it easily if that makes sense then it might be time to think about a different strategy so i didn't hit shots on sunday until I let the club go through the grass and was like, that feels good. I like yeah. this type of shot. Yeah, I like that. I mean, I think that's tell- helping. Right? We always said the lie dictates the shot. Yeah. Right? It, it dictates the club. It dictates the trajectory. Um, but the practice swings, this is, I think, I, what we were talking about too. Your practice chipping and pitching motions were really revealing to you, mm-hmm. right? In your rehearsal and like that even – you saw the lie, like, okay, I think I know what shot to play, right? Maybe, maybe I was gaining gouge. information. Yeah, like a gouge, a brush. Um, but if you're not in tune with, like, the grass at your home course, or for me, when I go to, like, I was in Arizona, I couldn't get used to the grass. Mm-hmm. But you've got to get really in tune with it because it may, like, that practice swing, like you said, Ed, it reacted maybe a little d- differently when you made contact with the ground. Like, yeah. oh, I thought this was a worse lie than it actually is. Right. So maybe I don't need to go as steep and gouge it as much. It could be a little more of a brush or vice versa. Right. Right. So that is that's purposeful pre-shot routine. Yeah. And there's and that's fascinating to me. I mean, I think it was, I don't know, kind of a a wake-up call for you. And it's a wake up, it could be a wake-up call for anybody. Like, boy, I'm really getting so into my routine. I'm not thinking about results. I'm just thinking about choosing the right shot in the right moment and I'm investing everything into it. Yeah. So I think this is going to be so big for your game because now you've, I think you've got, you had a pretty good full swing routine, but now you've got this chip chipping and pitching routine. Yeah. Well, the cool thing is like, you're right. I'm, I'm like a little investigator out there. I'm, I'm feeling the shot and I'm gaining information. Right. So when you're gaining information, my brain is now filled with 
Okay. Yeah, that feels right. And I'm 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 not even trying to commit to the shot. I just am. Right. Right? Because I'm filling my mind. I I actually became very in the zone around the greens because I was using the stimuli around me right. to fill my mind. So I wasn't even thinking about I actually made a mistake a couple times because I got so focused on what's the right shot here. One time, I didn't even realize the hole was on this crown. Forgot we were you were forgetting about where to land it. Yeah, right? so yeah. I ran it a little long, and now right. I gave myself a crazy tough downhill putt. But in most cases, it was actually a really positive response because I was just filling my head with information about what shot's the best shot here, which we've talked about a lot. Um, but I went about it a little differently, and I wasn't thinking about duffs and skulls and right. what people think. I, I was thinking about what's the shot here, yeah. you know. And one thing I'll say, Serm, that actually helped me. I don't know if this is something that will actually help people, but for me specifically, um, like I told you, you know, my short game had a tendency to dig a little bit. And something Fleetwood said that I thought was interesting in that video was most people think to hit it low, you have to put it way back in your stance. But then you're exposing the leading edge, and it's got nothing to do but to dig. Right. Well, so you, get, you, get, you can get steep so quick. You get steep, yeah. steep and yeah, it, it's got this nice punch shot, which a lot of times is more comforting if you're not feeling comfortable with your wedges because right. you can just kind of like hit down on it. But a lot of times you make that divot, right. and you don't have great control with distance and spin and all this stuff. So he said, actually, more people should be putting it up in their stance because you can actually use the bounce instead yeah. of guaranteeing digging. I, I would say that. I think that's a little advanced for a lot yeah. of normal players. But what I would say where I, I think he's getting to, it's, it's all about the handle, right? Mm -hmm. So I think I would say don't get too extreme with back, too back in your stance because we like to do that. And I would say for mid-range handicappers, don't get too extreme with up in your stance. But play with them in little margins and then just experiment with the handle, right? You could be upper middle in your stance and that handles forward and left. And Ev, you'd be surprised how low you can still hit that chip. And that's what he's saying. Yeah. It's the power of the handle. Yeah. So everything's all in relation to the handle. Um, so that I think that's probably a simpler way to look at it. Yeah. Uh, the better you get, the more press to go up in your stance. You should be thinking about it, but um, yeah, but just, just work that handle. And that's and part I, of the investigating when you're practicing. And I think that's a great point because we all have different paths. We all have different tendencies with how we take the club back, especially around the greens. So test with your, your own t uh, swing what feels good. Like swing the club through the grass because I can feel. Like I can feel when it comes through and it's that perfect whoosh sweep right. on the grass. And then you look at it and you're like, yeah, that came through really square. Right. Um, and for me, that feel was the toe of the club is almost facing. So I open the face and it almost is facing the sky when yeah. it's coming through the ball. I don't know if that makes sense to people, but it essentially, I almost feel like I'm hitting it at an angle. But for me, that was really helping the club go through the grass really nicely. For so sure. I even tried that in the bunkers. And I hit some of the like, because I had a tendency where if it's not deep sand, I would sometimes, uh, the leading edge would hit the sand, hit the ball, I'd hit it thin, yeah. right? Or hit it fat. 
And I tried that same thing with through the sand because it felt good around the greens. And having the toe facing the sky coming through impact, I hit like unbelievably high, soft yeah. sand shots. Like I, for the first time in a while, I was like, yeah, I hit in the sand, no problem. Right. Like, you know, so I think what all I'm saying is, is I achieved an excessive amount of confidence mm -hmm. by experimenting with face angles and what makes the club go through the grass in the best way for me. Right. Before the shot. And until yeah. I find that, boom, okay, I'm feeling good. And I hit the shots. I hit these nice little... I also kept it simple, Serm. Yeah. That's the other thing we haven't talked about. Um, I thought... I, I actively thought around the greens. Okay, I could take it higher. I'm feeling better about hitting those shots. But do I really need to take the angle over the corner of that bunker and hit it high uh, to the back right? No. Or... Can I actually hit the pitching wedge or the 56 and do a nice little like turn uh, release motion, kind very compact big, motions? Yeah. And big muscles. And put it out there eight, six to eight feet. Yeah. You know? And so I was much more about like mitigating unnecessary misses and just giving myself looks, you know? So the combination of all those things together it's not a surprise i i had a gr probably the best day around the greens i've had in yeah. at least a year maybe 100%. more yeah no i mean it's 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 going to be a it's it's, it's a game changing mindset yeah right and i think you know so if you can take the time to practice uh, you use the term investigate you got to create you got to understand what's happening what's the environment you know, what's my opportunity? What are my risks? All risk assessment. But at the yeah. end of the day, Ev, we might do all the right stuff. And, you, and that, let's say that chip and the ball just comes out hot. Right. But what you're going to find is you're going to hit more success. You're more solid chips. Right. And so if that ball just came out a little hot, okay. But I do think the next step for you, Ev, is making sure you're connecting what you're doing, you know, with the lie, for example, the club selection and the angle of attack, and then making sure you're honed in on a target. Right. Right. So that's probably, you said there was a few times you, brought, you, you kind of maybe just forgot that a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, without being Bryson and slowing up the course, right? You know, right. But you, but you, but you work on that in your practice. That's going to be what you're going to work on in your practice so you can connect those, make sure you're always connected. Yeah. And I also don't think, Serm, that necessarily every practice session from here on out is going to be as investigative. And keep me honest here, you're more experienced in this than me. But to me, the early ones, if, you're, if you were like me and you're just going to the range every week or every couple weeks yeah. and you never practice your short game other than you know 10 minutes before your round, um, I needed the investigative session to kind of find what works, understand which clubs I like in better situations. But the more that you do that, then I think the practice needs to go to, you can still investigate and have the curious mindset, yeah. but then it needs to be more like drills and games. Like you said, different spots, right? Actually go and putt it out instead of just chipping 10 balls to the green. Simulate the pressure of needing to make six of nine, 
Gankus yeah. talked about that when we had him on the show years ago. Like, I think then you can kind of gamify it and make it more fun. Bring a friend. That was a big thing for you. Yeah. So I think the practice strategy that I talk about needs to evolve a bit, but with the attitude of like learning about your motion, certain lies, certain feels, so that when you go on the course, you've hopefully seen it before. Well, or you investigate it in the moment and say, I feel best about this shot. This seems to be going through the best. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think you're onto it. I, I would say training just lives in two buckets, right? Or practicing lives in two buckets. And whether that's short game or long game, you've got training mode and you've got tournament mode, right? Yeah. So training mode is you, right? Working on how to hit, you know, you know a little better of a flop, a, little, a low runner, you know, working on some of the lie recognition, the angles, the clubs, and mechanics. So you have to do that. And I like starting practice that way, trying to get better at it. And then it's, all right, we're dropping balls in the rough. You know, can't fix the lie. You got to make five up and downs out of eight. You know, so yeah. I think you can kind of break. If, if you got an hour to practice short game or 45 minutes, I, just, I would just break them up. But end, mm-hmm. end with the tournament mode because that's the real situation that you want to be in. Right. right. And it's fun when you're with a buddy or with a brother or sister or wife or girlfriend. That's <laughs> at least similar ability where you can have those contests. I'm telling you, have contests, chipping, pitching, bunker contests. That's what gets the juices going. That's what gets you in the moment. And that's what makes you kind of have to figure it out on your own. Pressure, you know, play for money. Play for five bucks. Play for yeah. 10 bucks. You know, and that's going to make short a hot game, dog and a beer, whatever. <laughs> that's going to make, yeah, that's going to make short game more fun, right? Like when you're, because sometimes when you're by yourself, it just feels, it feels burdensome. And it's yeah. not sexy. So I, I think there's such a power to it. And I think that's where, you know, I had some of my great short game breakthroughs as a kid, you know, but we got to remember to vocalize too, because even the simplest shots, sometimes we have brain farts. Yeah. And at the end of the day, it's like, you got to say to yourself, what's the shot? Say it out loud. What's the shot? Mm-hmm. What's the lie? What's the club? What's the speed? And do those, you know? Yeah. So I think if you kind of write down, can kind of write this stuff down in, in your journal and like really kind of think about it and always be reminded of it because uh, it's the most important. But you have to have a little bit of a system and a plan. All right, we're going to take a quick break, get you guys right back to the show, but a quick word from not just a sponsor, from me, your co-host, Evan Singer. Guys, uh, something I don't really talk about on this show is my mental coaching. Through the popularity of this podcast for the last couple of years, uh, many people have reached out. And right now I got about four or five players that I help. And I'm basically helping people with weekly coaching, usually over the phone, uh, helping people get back on track. A lot of people feel like their golf game's off the rails. And uh, our mental work, building off of the stuff we talk about on this uh, podcast, is golf doesn't have to be as frustrating as we make it. You know, and from interviewing some of the best in the world and also instituting a lot of the things I've learned in my own life over the last 17 years. Um, I've previously helped companies manage stress like Uber and Northwest Financial and all these other companies manage stress and manage their mind. Um, My favorite thing I do now is actually helping people with their mental game and getting people back on track and more importantly, helping them enjoy the ride through ups and downs. So, 
A couple quotes here from some previous players. Uh, This one's from Gavin. He says, quote, focusing on the mental side of golf truly was a game changer for me. I went from wondering why I play to actually enjoying golf and scoring again. We've eliminated the fear of the big miss and replaced it with a routine that works. And Gavin's seen some great gains. Um, And then Roger said, quote, I started working with Evan as my coach in early 2020 after struggling with a form of full swing yips for about three years. Evan is wise behind beyond his years and helped me more than any other coach I sought out. An added bonus of having Evan on my team is through the Partrain podcast. His philosophy and teachings are further informed by the great guests he attracts. I can't recommend Evan Singer highly enough. A little weird for me to read my own recommendations, but, you know, I genuinely want to help you guys go to the next level. And I know a lot of people have messaged us about this podcast, helping them shoot their best scores and enjoy the ride. And so, hey, imagine what we could do together if we're working one-on-one and not just listen to the podcast. So here's what you got to do. If this sounds like something you want to do, uh, go to thepartrain.com slash golf mental coaching, or just go to thepartrain.com and click mental coaching at the top, or just email me at evan at thepartrain.com. And, uh, We'll see if I can, if we're a good fit and if I got any slots. I do have a few slots still open. Um, those might fill up after sharing this on the podcast. So the sooner you reach out, probably the better. But I'm super excited at the possibility and potential of helping you guys play your best golf and enjoy the ride. And um, it's truly a real thrill. It's, it's my favorite thing that I do. So feel free to reach out. We can get your game the best place it's ever been. And uh, now let's get back to the show. One thing I haven't talked about yet that I think is important is um, I think it was Solly on No Laying Up talked about this. He was working with Justin Huber on his short game. And he said something that really helped him in his short game was he would kind of investigate as well, but he liked shots that even when he mishit them, it would be five to six feet, you know, eight feet worst. And that's a great marker, keep me honest again, but I think that's a great marker too of choosing the type of shots, like having your go-tos, like pick a go-to shot that even when you miss hit it, it's okay. It actually ends up in a decent place. Some people don't even know you miss hit it, right? And you kind of know this little secret, but that tells me that there's a low margin of error. You pick a shot that gives yourself the best chance to have a success, even when you make a mistake yeah, or have a, a miss low, hit. Yeah, a low margin of error. Yeah. It'd be interesting to take, you know, what is there one shot that gives you no stress? Right. You know, like one pitcher chip. And like, right. All right. And if you got one, great. All right. Could be fine too. <laughs> right. Right. And sometimes yeah. that is an adjustment in where you're aiming, but that's okay. Right. Or the ball position. But um, it's, it's understanding how that one shot feels. And maybe that's that. You know, pitching wedge, little back in your stance, a little bit of a sweep motion. Boy, I can do that shot any day. And then, you know, kind of figuring out what, what's the next shot I can start working on. Yeah. You know? Well, here's another great thing I just realized. When we were in Orlando together, you were encouraging me to take out the nine iron, right? Yeah. Kind of treat it like a putt. And yeah. what I found when I did that, and this is why the investigative and information is so important, it definitely helped. Like my misses were minimal, but. You know, granted, I didn't really have time to practice it before, but it felt very like it was hard for me to get the momentum going. I felt like I kind of had to stab at it, 
which felt made it hard to uh, have distance control and feel. So then on my own, I'm like, okay, I know I need this shot. Got to practice it. But maybe the pitching wedge feels better to me. Maybe I feel like I can have more rhythm and take a little bit of a bigger motion, not too much. Yeah. But the way that it comes out in the pitching wedge felt great to me. Yeah. And so not to say I won't ever use the nine again, but that was a good example of like, all right, I know I need a runner. Well, some people use a seven iron. Like some people use hybrids. Go out and try it and see which one, to your point, gives you the most confidence, gives you the most freedom and have a couple go-tos. Right. The whole idea of me telling you, you know, that was a 50 foot chip, right? Kind of, kind of downhill, just off the green. Get it started. You had like a, I think you had a 54 or 52 or 56. If you're going, I probably had a 60. 60. (laughs) Should have snapped it over my knee. Uh, (laughs) But if you're going wedge nine, eight, the whole point is to get rid of the hands and get rid of the steepness. That's why I'm doing that. Set up to it more like a putt. Use your shoulders. Yeah. And don't create wrist hinge or steepness or stabbing like you were saying. Yeah. So, but right. If it's not the nine, maybe it's the wedge, maybe it's the eight, but make sure you keep it separated. As yep. the offspring said, got to keep them separated. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Didn't think we'd have an offspring karaoke but, but moment it's, here. That's but it's first. true. Ev. Eight, nine wedge. I like it, you know, but just don't work your hands. Treat it like a putt. So before we go. We'll recap what we just talked about for everyone. But before we go, I don't think we unpacked why it's so hard to go practice short game. I know you said it's mundane. It's unsexy. Um, But I even made a proclamation publicly with, you know, thousands of listeners and followers that it's the year of the short game. And I still didn't go right away. Um, So I think at a certain moment, you really got to ask yourself, like, what am I going to invest in? What's my right. time going to be in, you know? And I don't know. I, I personally got motivated to go by thinking and remembering that there are probably over 100 people at the range every day in L.A. It's packed. You always got to wait for a bay. It's usually about two to four people at the short game area mm-hmm. every day. And I kind of was like, Okay. I kind of like the idea of doing something that a lot of other people aren't. When everyone else is going yeah. to the course feeling uncomfortable, hoping that their big miss doesn't show up, hoping that their swing carries from the range. For me, I love this feeling of not needing to hope and grip and pray and just be comfortable with what is. And then leverage the time and the practice to feel confident that I can recover. And to me, that's so much more of a fun way to play the game. Yeah. It's a game of recovery. And I've said that before, but until you actually have the confidence in the ability to recover, it's hard to get behind that idea, I think. 100%. I think, I I mean, if somebody comes up to us and is serious about becoming a better player, and it, you know, is investing money and time and it, this is what keeps them up at night. Mm-hmm. And they're telling me that they're 80% on the range and they're 20% on the short game in the practice. I bet you it's higher. I don't feel sorry for you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because you watch the game, you study the game, you know the game. You've got, you've got to flip it. 
you've absolutely got to flip it. Yeah. You know, and and we talk about mundane F, but really the, the, the matter of fact is the range is mundane. If you've got a good short game area, think about how many shots you can hit from how many different distances. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like and on how many different surfaces too. A lot of times I'm like in LA, you're hitting off mats too, anyways, which is the worst in the summer. You can actually get over to grass and hit pitches, chips, low, high, bunker shots, long, everything. You know, and then you can work in the putting too. So we've talked a lot about chipping, but then, you know, lag putting as well. You know, like no, who wants to practice the lag putting? Not many people, but right. really the variety is actually in the short game practice. And then when you're with a buddy, oh my God, you can have so much fun doing yeah. contests and games. But I think that's just a, it's just a, a whole, th- uh, that's just a whole mindset and a realization. Once you start doing it, you're going to get better. I think for the lag putting of, you know, just, just, you know, I would say to people, just put on your headphones, you know, and find rhythm, you know, mm-hmm. or get a metronome, you know, which I think is great to work with. We used to work with the kids, his kids. It's just like tick tock. And mm-hmm. so, and put that next is being a good lag putter is all about establishing good, consistent rhythm. Right. Yeah. Um, those are a couple of things I would say. Um, but it's also, to me, it's just a really like kind of relaxing way to practice. It's a very fun way to, uh, end your practice, you know, mm-hmm. after you kind of maybe did kind of the grind session, so to speak yeah. on the, whether you did a little range work and did some, some of those tough pitching, those tough chipping, those short putts where you're trying to make circle drills and things. It's a great way to do, you know, 20 to 20 minutes of just establishing rhythm, looking at the length of your stroke. Okay. What happens when I take it back this far, this far? Mm-hmm. You know, because that all takes work. It's, you can't teach it. You have to, you have to really understand your stroke, your rhythm, your pace and, and really go from there. Yeah. So I'm I love gonna, that. Uh, yeah. And I think, look, you know, is it, is it reasonable and realistic to say that someone that's spent 99% of their time on the range to flip it? And go ninety nine percent of their time on short game, maybe not. So, but, I, but I'm not saying that. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not practice your long. You have to, but see what the eighty twenty flip the eighty twenty. Yeah. <laughs> but you think it's probably ninety ten. I mean, you should well, be taking. Why we should start taking videos of what's happening at range at driving practice facilities. How many people are here on the range, and how many people are on the putting green, and how many people are on the chipping yeah, green? I should. Yeah. But I guess my point is, even if <laughs> even if people went from ninety ten long game short game to fifty yeah. fifty, imagine right. Like if you're only going like for me, I usually go to the range after after I work, and then I'm, I'm getting home, yeah. having dinner with Tara. Right. A lot of times with daylight, I don't have two hours. Right. So if I have an hour, maybe I did a small bucket. Well, that's what I was just going to say. Yeah. And that's what maybe I, I get a small bucket. I could do 30 minutes of maybe if I know I have less time, I'm probably more focused on exactly what I'm working on in the full swing. And maybe I'm only working on my long, my, my driver, you right. know, or a wedges. And then I know I'm, I've reserved 30 minutes to play and have fun and figure out shots at the short game area. Right. And imagine, I just want to challenge the listeners. Imagine what would happen if you right. flipped the script and you went 50-50. Yeah, start there. Yeah, I want the message. I want to see your messages. I want to see these results. And I, I know people are going to be like, 
Just like the rollback hoodies, enter the code train, fifty percent off. Uh, nice. People are gonna be amazed. Oh my god! I just for two weeks I flipped the script and I started spending fifty percent of my time on the short game, and you wouldn't believe I just broke eighty for the first time, and my I hit the ball almost the exact same as I normally do. Right. Like I bet you we're gonna get those messages, but I'm really glad we did this episode because right. to me, it's a totally different. It's not groundbreaking, but it works. And it's yeah. a totally different way to think about the game. There's a reason why handicaps aren't getting better and 99% of people yeah. are beating balls in the range. You yeah. Know? And as the weather's getting warmer, I would encourage everybody, go get a short game lesson. Okay? Mm. You got that 150 bucks to spend? Do a short game lesson. Okay? You've had a lot of long game lessons. And keep getting long game lessons. Yeah. But go get a short game lesson it, from a good pro. You know, it's obviously easy for us to talk about. We can't de- you know, always demonstrate, but like, boy, that will help too. That's, you just have to, you have to, golf is about investing your money and investing your time, right? Mm-hmm. And it's just being strategic about it. And if you want to get better, your short game takes precedent. It's just the bottom line. Yeah. It's just the bottom line. So, yeah. It's also I mean, kind of a freeing thought to think like, imagine your opponents or people you're playing with where, you could go anywhere, kind of like Tiger did in his prime, and you're tying or beating him or her, right? right. Like, what a cool feeling that would be to kind of be known as, like, the grinder and the right. guy who can get up and down from anywhere. Right, and then in your local, you know, your, your local ranger, of course, you become, like, you become the guy who's just, a, not just a ranger, not the ranger at, he's the, he's the short game whiz because he's, yeah. all he does, he's over dropping balls behind the bunker. Right. You know, and he's, he's right. working on shots. You know, you get that reputation. You're so, the short game. I mean, it is. I so, love it. I don't know. Well, Ev, it's, a, it's a great, it's a great moment for you. And I think for, for everybody, but. And I get it. It's not easy. Like I think about swing things. I get so excited to go try it and hit balls. Right. Yeah. So I'm always, I think I'm always going to have to fight that, but I'm going to be committed. Even if it's 10 minutes. I'm going to be committed. I'm not going to go to the range without spending at least some time at the short game area. I want it to be a consistent thing. And so I hope this helps. If we have added any value, guys, it makes a huge difference for us. It helps us keep doing more and more for this show. If you can give us a review at Apple Podcasts, um, Spotify now has five-star reviews. You can tap that one tap, give us five stars. 